Um, uh, our children, uh, ages 4 through 1st grade, are dismissed to Children's Church. Uh, for children who are older than that, children of all ages, I just want to remind you, we do have a page um, for sermon notes for kids and the bulletin. Also, and I, I forget to mention this, we do have busy bags over here as you come in on this side if you've got little ones, mainly for the fourth, four-year-olds through first graders during the, the first part of the service. Sometimes you know, we, have, we have active listeners, and so we do have little bags of activities and things to do that uh, Miss Alishka has made available over there. Um, I forget to announce that, but they're there. Also, um, for the older kids, there are journals here with their names on them. If you're a visitor and you, you don't have a journal, let us know. But uh, kids, you do have journals. If you want to draw or take notes, um, you can do that as well. Um, any adults want a journal? Anyway, but they're over there. Um, so anyway, um, before I start, I just want to remind you we do have our congregational meeting. And uh, I, I'm just so thankful, you know, as a as uh, a teaching elder, as a pastor, I, I'm not gifted uh, to think through budgets and monies and finances. And I'm always, I'm always humbled and grateful for uh, the men that have been called to do that. And, um, and, and, and uh, just thankful for their work. And, and again, we want you to stay and, and just get updated of what's going on in our church and, um, and hear about that and what our plans are for this coming fiscal year. Um, if you would, please turn in, your, in the scriptures to Exodus, Exodus chapter 34. Um, we just, we've, we've seen the result of uh, a great sin in God's people and this, as they, they um, while they were waiting on Moses to come down with this, this covenant, the book of the covenant. With the Ten Commandments written on the stone, uh, they became impatient and made an idol. They, they broke the first two commands uh, within 40 days of, of saying, Yes, we will keep all your commands, O Lord. And they came and realized they couldn't do it. They, they failed and there, was, there wasn't a complete eradication of Israel. There was punishment. There was a punishment for sin, but they didn't wipe them out. And, and, and Moses, we see, stepping in to intercede for them. And, and though Moses' life wasn't, wasn't deemed worthy to be uh, uh, an, uh, an exchange, God still shows mercy. And we continue in this. We're seeing this, how this plays out more. Uh, God says at the end of 33, what does he say? He says, and I will take, I will take away... Um, well, I'm sorry, at the, at the end, before he shows Moses his glory, he does say, look, I will, I will go with you. I will be with you. I will be gracious to you. Um, and, um, and then he shows Moses, the, not his full glory, but just a, a, just a tiny bit of that. And so, uh, in, in, in chapter 34, we have Moses' last trip up to Sinai. If you've been keeping count, this is now the seventh time he's gone up the mountain. Uh, he's got his steps in, as we would say. And, uh, and so he's done a lot of being up there. But he's, this is the, the seventh, the final time he goes up to the mountain to meet with God. And um, he gets new tablets. And God reiterates his covenant commands. And then 
we see this wonderful evidence of Moses being in the presence of Yahweh. Um, and so, uh, with all that said, let's, let's, uh, let's dive in and, and read God's Word together. Before we do that, let's, let's pray yet again for His help to understand it and apply it. Lord God, uh, we thank You that You, um, that you um, moved in the heart of Moses to, and, and helped him by Your Spirit to write these words. Uh, that there is a, a full account of your work in creation and then your work in, in bringing a people um, out of slavery and making them your own. We have this as a record. And, and Lord, we, we see in this, um, we see ourselves. Um, we see a, a people struggling to, to obey, a people struggling to rest and re, and in you and to trust you. And yet we see a you uh, oh God, being faithful, faithful, faithful um, every time, even in the midst of your people's unfaithfulness. Lord, um, encourage us, uh, humble us by your faithfulness, your glory, your, your, your mercy. May we just be brought to our knees just as Moses is here and just, and just worship and praise and prayer, do work this in our hearts uh, this morning, and Lord, give us a renewed, um, renew our desire, our motivation to live a life that's pleasing to you. Um, a motivation, the motivation which is your grace and your covenant faithfulness. Lord, help us to see you more clearly and to live for you. Uh, through the reading and preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning, and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai, and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you, and no one, uh, no one to be seen throughout all the mountain. Uh, let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand two tablets of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped, and he said, If now I have found favor, favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. For it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom, among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. 
Take care lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their their asherim. For you shall worship no other god. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. And when they whore after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and you are invited, you eat of this sacrifice. And you take of their daughters for your sons and their daughters. Whore after their gods and make your sons whore after their gods. You shall not make for yourself any gods of cast metal. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you at the time appointed in the month of Abib. For the month of Abib you came out of Egypt and all that... All that open the womb are mine, all your male livestock, the firstborn of cow and sheep, the firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year shall your males appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything unleavened, anything leavened, or let the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, he came down from the mountain. And as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, the skin of Moses' face, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Um, for some of you who uh, grew up in the 90s, you probably get the, the sermon title a little bit. That's um, Shining Hopeful Prophet Holding Commands. That's uh, came up with that. A little play on Shining Happy People Holding Hands by R.E.M. Anyway, it just seemed to fit. Uh, and uh, um, uh, 
when, when, I, when I read this text and, and when I was thinking about this text, about my, my, I had a memory that went back to um, being a, a kid. And um, y'all remember yelling, Do over! <laughs> you remember doing that? <laughs> Do over! Right? Um, that was what happened when kids would play and there was no referee. <laughs> there was this... Uh, there was always contention. There was always, you know, we, well, I, this, this can't be right. This isn't right. I, I didn't mean to do that. No, that was on the line, whatever it is, you know. I want to do over. I want to do over. And, uh, you know, maybe you, had a, maybe you were that friend that always called for do overs. And they're like, I don't want to, people didn't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> you know, just, but, but getting a do over was a good thing, right? You know, getting to, to try again. Uh, can I get a do-over? Can I try that again? Uh, I was reminded again of that. Um, we, I got to, I got. To, I'm getting to coach Betsy's soccer team, and and there's some, uh, there's some, there's some grace this first week. We lost, by the way, six to nothing. It was a great game, and uh, humility is also a theme in this text. Anyway, uh, but uh, we were humbled. It was good. It was good. Uh, you, you can learn from a loss. You can't really learn from a victory, and so that's important. Anyway, but uh, there, we're going back to the point. Uh, when we're, we're learning these skills, and, you know, and there's this thing you have to do called a throw-in, and it's a weird thing. You throw the ball when it goes out of bounds over your head, but you've got to keep both feet on the ground. It's a very unnatural act if you've never played soccer, keeping both feet, feet next to each other stationary and throwing a ball like this. And every kid picked up their feet or jumped or launched it. And, you know, we have to learn. But we, can't, we got do-overs. You got to do it. You got to try it again. Come back. It wasn't a turnover. Get the do-over. We want do-overs. Do-overs are great. We need do-overs a lot of times. And, and this is really a, a do-over, isn't it? Right? Um... We have this same, it's, you know, Exodus is a lot of repetition. And we have, here we go again, Moses being called, Moses going up on the mountain, God's going to write the, the commands again, he's going to reiterate the, the, you know, a summary of the book of the covenant. We're going to, let's, let's just do, let's do it, let's have a do-over. And, and it should be shocking, from a human point of view, this is a shocking text. That a people who failed so miserably, and it wasn't, there wasn't like, maybe it was on the line, or I just didn't get, like, it was very clear boundaries. You know? They completely lost. It wasn't even as close to six to nothing, okay? It wasn't that close. They lost. They lost the game. It, it was a complete defeat. And yet, here we have a do-over. That's the big picture. I just want, just before we even dive into the details, just to be in awe that let's, God says, let's run it back. <laughs> let's do this again. Um, the three things I want us to see that will help us understand just why there is a do-over. Um, first, we're going to look at the proclamation of His name. Second, the renewal of His promise. And then thirdly, the glory reflected in the mediator. 
The proclamation of His name, the renewal of His promise, and the glory reflected in the mediator. What I want you to see, first of all, is that the basis of this do-over is in Yahweh Himself. It's in His name. It's in His nature. It it sounds weird. You know, when you proclaim or give a name, it's an introduction, right? Um... I had this habit, you know, when I would meet people that I was kind of in awe of or like mentors or people that I looked up to. Like, you know, I've told you about the time I got to meet Tim Keller. Anyway, but I had this... Did I tell you that? Did I mention that, by the way? I got to talk to him. Anyway, but like when I... So I would... But there were people that I kind of... I just assumed they didn't know me. So I'd go, hey, I'm Grant Keller. It's like, I remember you, Grant. You are, we've already been introduced. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, or maybe you're... You're not good at names, so you always introduce yourself. And you're like, yeah, I know you. Do you remember my name? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. Anyway, but it's a weird thing to have his, you know, like Moses and, and, and Yahweh are acquainted, right? They've already met. So it's kind of strange. He goes, I, let's come up, up here, bring the stones, bring the, you know, the, the tablets. And then he goes, I'm going to pronounce my name, proclaim my name to you. He already knows him, right? Your name is Yahweh. You told me that from the burning bush. You you told me your covenant name. He's like, I'm going to proclaim it again. And he not only says the name Yahweh, which is I am that I am, uh, pointing to his eternal existence, pointing to him being the Alpha and the Omega of all things, pointing to his, his consistency. But he also, when he proclaims his name, he just, he gives all these characteristics, these attributes. And, and, and you see that in, in, in these verses here. Um, uh, in, verse, in verse 6, he says what? The Lord passes before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he elaborates. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, he. What he's saying here is when I, when you hear my name, when you hear the name of Yahweh, this is the substance of it. It's not he's given his name and some other information. This is who I am. For the Hebrews, a name captured the nature of the person. It said something about them, and he's saying when you hear Yahweh, I want you to hear all of this. This is what my name means. This is who I am. This is the essence of my being. This is my glory. That He is a God who is gracious and compassionate. That it's not just something He does. It's it's His very nature that God shows unmerited favor and compassion to sinners like you and me. He's patient. And it's interesting, this Hebrew word for patient, actually, it means long in the nose. That's not a roll tide uh, moment, but he, what, what does that mean, long in the nose? That's, what is that? Well, anger, when the Hebrews had a very, their words had something, you know, very phys- physical. So, when, to be angry means, that word for anger in Hebrew means a flared nostrils, you know? You ever seen somebody get angry and their nose gets red, their nostrils flare? And what that word means, it takes a long time for his nose to... Flare. He's patient. I was just a little... Just, I know you've always wondered that. Anyway, there you have it. But uh, <laughs> that's, he's patient. He's, he's slow to, 
to get uh, to get angry, and you and you see that that's just who he is. He's he's patient with sinners. His he's, his essence of who he is is about covenant loyalty. He is a loyal and true in all that he is. And it says finally, his mercy extends to thousands. And I think it's appropriate to see that as opposed to his punishment being to the third and fourth. That mo- a lot of other translations say to thousands of generations. And so here we're to see that this is a, you know, compared to his judgment, his mercy is much more um, prevalent. That he visits punishment to offenders of the third and fourth generation, but extends mercy to the thousands of generations. That's who he is. That's just the substance of who he is. And, and you're going to see, if you, when you read this, you, maybe you've read this and gone, I think I've read this somewhere before. Maybe you haven't read Exodus in a while, but you'll find out that this description, this as God declares His own name before Moses, and as it's recorded for us here, that this then becomes the formula for who God is that's quoted in the rest of the Bible. We see it, you see it in Numbers 14, 18. You see Nehemiah use the same description of God. You see it in the Psalms, in Psalm 86, that He is, this is the, the essence, the glory of God. This is who He is. This is what His name means. Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping covenant faithfulness, steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. Note He gives three different words describing our sin. Look how thorough he is. That it's not anything he leaves out. He can, he can forgive our iniquity, our transgressions, our sin. But he is by no means unjust. He does not clear the guilty. This is who he is. This is all caught up in the name of God. The substance of his character. And what's the response? What's the response at the proclamation of his name? It's worship. It's humble obedience and worship on the part of Moses. He is, he is again, this is not, I mean, he, he's, the glory of God has passed before Moses, right? That, that's happened earlier. And now God's just proclaiming, He's speaking the truth of who He is. And, and that is enough for Moses to bow his head, to, to, to lay down before God, and to worship. What an amazing God we have. And it's on this basis that he worships, on this basis that he prays this prayer. Look at what he says. He worships and he prays. And the prayer is this. If I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. And this is, when you read this, it sounds like he's making an argument. For, it's a stiff-necked people. <laughs> well, that's not a, it's not he's saying, hey, this is why, you, why we deserve it. That's not what he's saying. He said, this is why we need you. This is why your presence is so necessary. Oh God, we have fallen short. We cannot keep your covenant. Please go with us. And we're not, and, no, and nowhere in this is he saying, because 
we were better than the other nations. Because we just match up better. Because we're going to get it right this time. Um, how many times have you prayed that, Lord? If Lord, I'll, I'll do this. If you just, if you'll just do this for me, I will. I will stop doing that thing. <laughs> God's never convinced by that. He's like, I'm not convinced by your delusions, Grant. <laughs> I'm not. What's the basis of prayer? The basis of the prayer is nothing to do with... He's, he's like, and he, he includes himself in this. Lord, if you would show favor. Why does he say this? Because God just says what? I delight to show favor. If you could just please be in our midst. I love to, to be loyal. That's my nature. I am faithful to my promises. And based on the nature, the name, the nature of God, Moses prays a prayer has nothing to do with what Israel deserves, but everything to do with who God is. It's a prayer that does not seek for His own glory. It's a prayer that that's according to the will of God, according to the nature of God, that's concerned for the name of God, that's resting on the promises of God to His people, not on God's people's, on, on the people's promise to God. There's no, there's no deals made. There's no... only thing that He appeals to is the person, the name, the glory, the essence of God Himself. He proclaims His name. The next thing he does, and these next two points are short, because that's the main thing here, is this, do you realize who this God is? It always comes back to knowing the nature, the purpose, the heart of God toward His people. And that's how we should hear what comes next. This, this restatement, this summary, if you will, of all those covenant, the, all the elaboration of the, of the Ten Commandments, the laws that, that he had already laid out in, in chapters 20, uh, verse 22 through uh, uh, chapter 23. He just, he highlights them again. And not, not all of them, but you, it's a summary, it's a lot of restatement of what he's already said, but the focus has now shifted. Now he's saying, now that you realize the degree of your sinfulness, now that you realize... How hard it is to do this. He, 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 he brings them back to and starts off with what? Again, he starts off with not what you should do, but what I'm going to do. Look, behold, I am making a covenant. Not a new covenant. He's restating the, 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 the other one, the previous one. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as I have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. All the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do. He begins this, this giving of, of, of laws, this, this, this asking the people and commanding, commanding them to live according to His ways, but He begins just like He began with, with the Ten Commandments. Not what they've got to do 
so He will work, but what I'm going to do for you, therefore, obey me. You see the, the connection? It's what God's going to do always comes first. It's, it's His glory and His purpose, and therefore, obey. Therefore, observe these commands that I give you. And all these commands are pointed to uh, helping them beware that this is going to be hard, that you're going to face opposition in this new... When you take the land, there's going to be other nations and other gods. You're going to be... You're going to... Even after this, this, this uh, golden calf incident, even after you've had to drink the dust from, the cat, from, the, from, that, from that idol, that you will find yourself in a place where you will want to make idols again. Where you'll be tempted to be unfaithful to cheat on me like a husband or, or a wife would cheat on their, on their spouse. You're going to go after these other gods even though they're empty and even though they're not real. This is what you will do. And then he says, this is how you stay, how you keep grounded. Um, keep the feasts. Keep the Sabbath. Keep the sacrificial system. Again, you realize when you read it in this context that this is not just do this so I'll love you. Do this so you will what? Remember who I am. That you will remember my name. You'll remember my glory. Do these commands to, not so that I will love you, but because I love you. I give you this. And now for the first time, now after a immense failure, he, he, he comes in with this divine do-over and go, now do you get it? Now do you understand why I'm going to live in your midst with a tabernacle? Why I'm giving you the sacrificial system? Why I want you to stop from work? Even in the busiest time, the time of harvest, stop. I want you to leave your fields. Even, even when there's dangers out there, I will make sure your fields and your property are okay. Come and worship. You need to be near me. You need to be reminded not of not to do better, but be reminded of who I am. And all these things He's given draws them in, helps them to see, helps them to see who He is. And what's the application for you and for me? It is this. He's given us means of grace. He's made Himself known. He's shown Himself not just, and we'll get to that in a minute, not just in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the, in, the, in the face of Jesus Christ, we've seen Him, but He's also given us commands, not so that we will earn His favor. He's given us good works to walk in them because He loves us, because He is at work sanctifying us, and He wants us to be near Him, to be close to Him, to never forget who he is. It's clear even in the the re-giving of these of these laws of these commands that the basis of his covenant is not on obedience from Israel. After the last few chapters we know it could not be. It has to be on who he is on on, the, on his promises and his his glory, his desire to fulfill and to be faithful and to fulfill His promises to us. Um, we see here that even though they've broken covenant with God, God has not broken covenant with them. In His Word, His commands still remain, as does His covenant faithfulness. 
we've, we've, we've seen his name proclaimed. We've, 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 heard, we've heard the, um, his, his, um, the renewal of his promise. And then lastly, I want us to see this glory reflected by the prophet. It's, it's, this is almost kind of a... If, if you look at chapters 32 through 34, you see Moses coming down being rejected and forgotten about. The, the Messiah, I mean, the, I'm sorry, the mediator goes up to the mountain. Moses, he's up there 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, they, they begin to be impatient. They, they, they make this idol. They've forgotten about Moses. They've written Moses off. And now in the do-over, Moses comes down and he is radiating glory. Like if the ark is, the people start out by paying no attention to Moses and by the end... Now Moses is seen as the true mediator prophet sent by God. Um, if you have uh, ever looked at Renaissance art, um, you, you notice something very strange about Moses. If you've looked in these pictures, Moses is depicted with horns. Do you mind know that? Uh, that's based on this passage. It's actually a mistranslation. The, the Latin Vulgate, uh, there's this word that's that's translated as radiating or sending out rays, it, the, it's a form of a noun which literally means horn. And so when that was translated into the Latin Vulgate and, and also Aquila and Jerome, when they wrote their commentaries, they understood that to mean that Moses came down from the mountain with literal horns on his head. Which would explain where everybody ran away. Right? But it, what, what doesn't make sense is that Moses didn't realize it. <laughs> you know, he come down and he doesn't realize. He's been, he's been engulfed in the glory of God. He comes down and they run. He's like, if he had horns in his head, I think he would know. Right? That's new. Anyway, but he did not realize it. And, and so that just, that's just a little freebie there. Why does, why does Moses have horns in all these pictures? That's why. Mis, misinterpretation. But again, like why those words are related, there's beams, there's something emanating out from him, and it's not horns, it's not bone, it's the, the glory of God. Light was shining, reflecting off of his face from being in the presence of God for 40 days. And, and again, this didn't happen when he went up the first time, but the second time he comes down and wrote that they react in the same way that they reacted when God spoke at the beginning from Sinai. They, they see it and they run. And now Moses as this mediator comes down and he shining like the glory of God. They, they freak out and run away. And he has to no, no, come back, come back, come back, come back. <laughs> that reminds me of coaching yesterday. Come back. No, no, this way, that way. Anyway, come back. Um, and, and, and then he speaks God's word. Why, why did God want His glory to shine forth in Moses' face? Because He wanted them to connect His glory to the words that Moses was speaking. And you note that this becomes something that they do from here on out. Whenever Moses is in the tent in God's presence, he has his face unveiled. He, he absorbs in some, in some way. We don't know. I can't, there's, there's no scientific explanation for this. It being in the presence of God as he hears God's word, he then goes out with unveiled face and pronounces God's word to his people. So that whenever they hear the word of God from Moses... It always is connected with the glory of God. And again, they don't, there's no 
they don't attach Moses, they don't make Moses a God. They, this is very clear that he is reflecting the glory of the true God, Yahweh. And that's what we need to realize. That's what I want you and I to realize today is that as we hear the Word of God, as you read the Scriptures, as you, as you read about God's work, Old Testament and New Testament, you can't... And I think I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. We, we read it as though there's no glory there. We, we read it apart from the identity of the one who's speaking it. And we're to always read and hear the Word of God in connection with His glory. And His glory is His substance. And His substance is what? His name. Yahweh. Yahweh. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children, the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That every time we hear the Word of God, we need to hear it. And, 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 and when we do hear it correctly, we're hearing it in this light of the light of the glory of God. And the wonderful thing is that not only do we just have this, the fact that Moses, you know, you know, going back to this whole, was it light, was it horns? Well, you think Moses realized he didn't have horns. That if he had horns or not, that would seem something that he would realize coming down the mountain. Um, but uh, Paul, in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, talks about this, uses this account. And he speaks of it. He says that, he talks about this Moses, and he there talks about the veil to, to, for the, the light that's emanating from him. So he confirms it. You know, we have God's Word in the New Testament confirming that he's actually, his face is glowing in the glory of God. But he goes on to talk about how we should understand this more. Um, it, that, um, he says that, uh, and this is 2 Corinthians 3, 12-18, he says, talking about his own ministry to the Corinthians. He says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul has an interesting take on this as to why Moses veils his face. And he veils his face because, according to Paul, not because of humility, but because he doesn't want the people to see the glory fade. It was important for them when he spoke, that he spoke and spoke with the thought of the Lord that they see that glory on full display. But Paul says that that glory would fade and that's why he would hide it. He didn't want them to, to lose faith or in, in, in the Word of God because they would see that glory fade. But 
Paul says something wonderful. And this is how we take this text, this, this passage to the New Testament. He says that what we have now, what we have now in this new covenant, and we have now through the revelation of Jesus Christ, is a glory that never fades. He says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 5-6, through 6, He says, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And right there, he's saying, we come preaching, we come declaring a gospel whose glory never fades. Moses was not the mediator they needed. But he pointed to the mediator they needed. The glory he received was just a reflection of the glory of God. But the glory of God is is shown in the face of Jesus. He is fully God and fully man as we confessed earlier in the Apostles' Creed. And in Jesus that light shines forth. And by grace of God the veil over our hearts, the veil over our eyes is removed so we can see the glory and the face of Jesus Christ. The glory of God is tied to His name. And the name of God, and all bound up in that, is His mercy, His grace, His steadfast love, His loyalty. As we hear the Word, as we think about the Scriptures, even as we hear the law and the commands, we always hear it in light of this glory and grace. The glory of Yahweh is expressed in His name, in His Word, and in His mediator. It is His glory, it's His character, which is the foundation of our relationship with Him. He who calls us is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this, Your Word. We thank You that we come to a God like You, glorious, that we that the, the, the radiant beams of your glory are full of mercy and grace and love and faithfulness to your people. Um, help, us come, help us to come to you, to delight in you and you alone, not in the, the crown that you give, not in the benefits of knowing you, but in you yourself. And, and, and based on you and your character, may we keep praying, may we keep repenting, may we keep coming back because, because you are faithful, you are gracious. Um, help us to, to hear your word rightly, to hear it from the, and, and see it and understand it in the glory of the face of Jesus Christ. And help us to know that that glorious face of Christ is looking upon us with full acceptance and love and favor to us individually, Lord. We thank you that Moses could see that and express that, that Moses could point to your glory and that we too have received and experienced that glory through Jesus Christ. Um, Thank you. Thank you for now for this meal that we're going to receive that just continues to be an expression, something we can partake in, taste and touch and do that reminds us of the essence of who you are, your glory. And uh, Lord, work this good news deep in our hearts through uh, the preaching of your word, through the participation of as we take up this meal together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
this meal, um, for a lot of us, I think I've talked to a lot of people, this meal can end up being a, a source of frustration or sadness. That maybe you grew up where you're thinking that this was just your, a time to just kind of beat yourself up. And it is a time to, to think about our sin and to think about the reason that Jesus had to die. Like if, if we take of this meal and we don't think about that blood shed for us. Why did he have to shed his blood? Why did his body have to be given up as a sacrifice? Why? why? It's because of our sin. But I want, I want you to realize that, that what this is also saying is that Jesus is enough. And you partic- you're, you're being invited to participate and take of Christ and participate in, his, in, in this act that His people do because Christ has given Himself for you. And that that is not something that's an outlier. That's kind of like, God, just, well, I guess I'm going to have to sacrifice for these sinners. <laughs> but it's who He is. It's His character. It's his, the radiance of Yahweh is... Grace and love and mercy and compassion. And it's reflected in his, the cross and the resurrection. That's what's motivating him. That's, that's the glory I want you to see as you think about what he did for you, that, that is dying and for your sins. So Christians, come and partake and, and be encouraged that this gospel is for you. If, if you're not a Christian, if you're not sure where you are with that. If you're not a member of a, of a, of a gospel-believing, gospel-preaching church, um, just, just sit and, and this is not, a, we're not trying to push you away. This is not to exclude you. This is basically what the scriptures say, if, that you are not to eat and drink of this in an unworthy manner. You bring judgment upon you. It would be a sin to do that. So we're actually, it's a kindness as we say, don't partake. But take time to think about what you've heard. and Think about the glory of God. That it's not... It's not just a God that's exacting and, 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 and cruel, but a God who's full of mercy and love and compassion. And, um, and, Lord, and as you come to take of this meal, brothers and sisters in Christ, be reminded of that. Be encouraged of that. Yes, um, come to terms with your sin. It would be a time of confession, a time of repentance, but also a time of just delighting that the loving gaze of God, of Jesus Christ, is upon you. So brothers and sisters, come and partake. If you're in this front section, come to this table. The back section, go there. That section, go there. Let's partake uh, of this meal together.